know it's a little bit of a different way to start out a service this morning, but um, I've just been really in prayer about today and what the Lord has to say. Um, I, you know, I, I've heard other people say this before. I don't get to preach that often in here, so when I do, I have a lot to say, so it's kind of hard to decide what I'm going to say, right, you know? So, <laughs> but this, this weekend, the Lord really brought me back to a message that our, um, our youth heard while we were at youth camp. And I thought it was so funny because I felt like it wasn't really like a classic um, youth camp message. And I thought it was really strange that that guy had come all the way to youth camp to preach just to me. I thought, you know, I don't really know him, but he could have just sent me like an email or something um, because it was like so just for me. And then when I met with my kids afterwards and they had gotten so much from it. So the Lord just really brought me to some of the notes and um, verses and things that he talked about and Um, I have been in a state, and I've said this before, I've been in a state of being overwhelmed a lot lately. And so this message is called, When I'm Overwhelmed. Anybody been there? Like in the past, like, I don't know, 48 hours we've been there, there, right? We've been overwhelmed. Too much information to process, too many feelings um, to go through. Uh, Don't have the emotions really to process everything that's going on. And then in our own individual lives, we all have a lot to face. And so this message today is called When I'm Overwhelmed, and I want you to know that I'm preaching it to myself because it's been like a devotional to me of late. And um, so I just want to get straight into the word. Um, Our pastors are doing good. They've made it to Arizona. They've already started working, and if you've ever met Rick and Susan Bennett, you have no doubt of that. They've been working since their their feet hit the ground, and they're doing well. And so, um, you know, keep them in prayer. Thank them for this opportunity to speak this morning and trusting me to be here in um, this pulpit today. But Let's jump right into the word. Psalms chapter 61 is where I'm going to start today, reading from the NLT version. These verses hopefully may be up there this morning. Psalm 61, oh God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the towering rock of safety. For you are my safe refuge a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. I love this verse because it does not say, if my heart gets overwhelmed, it says, when my heart gets overwhelmed. You know, there's a difference in those words there. It lets me know something. It lets me know that I'm not the first person on planet earth to feel overwhelmed it lets me know that for generations and thousands of years people have come to a place of being overwhelmed with life and its troubles and its difficulties and its hardships and so this says i will cry out to you when my heart is overwhelmed and so we know that that is a true statement for all of us right And today my goal is really to help encourage us to become so captivated by Jesus that we can take captive our thoughts. Because when we are captivated with Jesus, our thoughts have to come into submission to him. And that's a super hard thing to do, right? It's just a super hard thing to do. Anybody ever tried to get a child to change his focus? Right? Ah. I mean, it's impossible. They are so singularly focused. I mean, it takes a lot of tactics, right? You know, your child is throwing a huge fit, and you get to that breaking point where you're like, 
What, what toy do you want? I will buy you any toy in the world. Let's just stop this train that's chugging down these tracks towards complete meltdown and oblivion. I will buy you whatever toy that you want. My son Leo used to have these huge massive fits, and we were in Target one time. It was a scene. I don't, I'm surprised we're allowed back. Um, and he just started having a meltdown, meltdown. I mean, the kind of meltdown where you abandon the cart, grab the child, and run, and hope no one thinks you're stealing him. And his brother is trying to, Leo, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And he's crying, I want the green ball. Green ball. I couldn't find a green ball to save my life. If that green ball had cost $52, I would have bought it right then and there. I couldn't find a green ball anywhere. He was so focused on something in his mind that he could not get a grip on anything. He could have gotten anything he wanted in that moment, but he was so focused. He was so overwhelmed and so distraught that nothing was going to get his attention off of that. And let me tell you sometimes, we look at little kids like they're crazy when they do stuff like that. But how many of you know that our hearts and souls and minds can get that way? Where we are so focused on the trouble that we're dealing with, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a problem, a relationship, a situation, whether it's things going on in the world, we can become so fixated on that problem, and it becomes so overwhelming to us that we can't get our focus on anything else. Somebody could walk up to you and say, but I have a million dollars for you. And you would say, but that does not fix the problem right now because we're focused on it. And we have got to get to a place where we can begin to get so captivated with the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God that we can take captive these thoughts and tell them that they have to come into submission to Jesus Christ. It's the only way that we can get our minds focused. What happens when we're overwhelmed? Well, let me tell you something. This is, this is not a new tactic that the enemy has. And I think sometimes we, we give the enemy sometimes too much credit. And sometimes we don't give them enough. I mean, we're quick to try to blame some things on the devil, right? I mean, the devil made me do it. We've all heard people say that, right? But a lot of times we don't really give him enough credit. We need to begin to see his tactics for what they are. Because when we see them and we know what they are, then we can call them out and we can begin to move forward. Because there's a whole line of things that begin to happen when we are overwhelmed. The first thing that happens is we begin to isolate ourselves. No one understands what I'm going through. No one's experienced this. It's different for me. It's, it's, it's different. No one understands what I'm going through. We begin to isolate ourselves when we are overwhelmed. We begin to start into the why me, why this, why now. We get into these whys. And these whys will a lot of times cause us to become angry at God. Why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? I am angry. God, this is not fair. Why is this going on in my life right now? Why is this going on in the world? And that anger will very quickly lead itself to finding ourselves in a place where we are rejecting God. Now, that's hard to hear in a room full of Christians because we can't imagine ourselves rejecting God. But the moment that we begin to rely and focus on our thoughts, 
our concerns, our burdens, and they begin to exalt themselves to a place that is above the power of God to handle them, then they have taken captive of us, and we are in a position where we are dangerously close to rejecting the power of God. This is too big. This is too big. God would never do this. I don't know how to handle this. And very quickly, we can become so wrapped up in our own situation, in our own thoughts, in the media, in everything that's going on, that we get to a place where we have forgotten that God is still God. And he didn't run out of power yesterday or today. He's still in control of our lives. This great quote we heard that said, talking about worry it says when you're overwhelmed you can worry or you can worship but you can't do both (laughs) and that's hard because sometimes have you ever just wanted to worry you ever just wanted to be in a bad mood and anybody trying to get you out of a bad mood just gets on your nerves right this is my husband and he is funny you ever watch people on TV like who are funny, like Jim Carrey, and you think, what would it be like to live with someone like that? You nasty. I can tell you. It's wonderful a lot of times when you're in a bad mood and you just kind of like a minute to be in that bad mood. Super annoying. Right? When I'm just, tr- I'm just in my feels, just dealing with some things, and he's in the kitchen making up songs about eggs and bacon and dancing and trying to jam out to music that annoys me and I'm like, he's like, what's wrong? Sun's shining. I'm like, but not right here. It's not. It's not sunny right here. I'm, I'm having a moment. I'm in my feels. I need you just to, no. That, that, that's hard. Listen, sometimes we just want to get there. And you know what? Sometimes we justify it. And I'm so guilty of this. We feel justified to feel crappy. And we feel like we're allowed to be here. Well, listen, I'm allowed to have this moment of feeling distraught and in despair because of what I am going through. But let me tell you something. We cannot be living in worry and living in worship at the same time. And we're going to have to make a choice. Because how can I worship a God and say, God, you are God. No one above you. No one beside you. You're in control. The nations will bow to you. How can I worship him if I won't even bow my situation in front of him? I got to do that. I can't live in both. And it's the hardest thing in the world. And I don't really have all the answers for you today. But if you think of some, email me because I might need them. It's hard to do. But I want to tell you a short little story out of the Old Testament today, out of Second Chronicles, about a man named Jehoshaphat, who's going to give us some clues to what to do when we're worried and when we're overwhelmed. So in Second Chronicles chapter 20, it's going to be up here in case you have no idea where that is in your Bible. Don't think I don't sing. Kings, Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, and yeah, every time I got to find it. Jehoshaphat, he was a king and a ruler. You ever heard that phrase, jumping Jehoshaphat? That comes from the fact that Jehoshaphat was quick to jump into anybody else's battle that wanted him to. People would go to war and they would always want to come and get Jehoshaphat. Part of that was because he seemed to be successful. So they would say, Jehoshaphat, Come to battle with me. Come and fight with us. And he would say, okay, and get all his men together. And they would think, all right, we're ready to go to battle. we got Jehoshaphat with us. And he would say, but first, 
We're going to make a stop over here by the man of the Lord. We're going to seek the Lord first. Uh, but we got to go. The, their enemy is coming. Nope. Nope. We're going to stop and seek the Lord first. And so he was never shy from a battle, never afraid to go to battle. But he always sought the Lord first. And so in Second Chronicles chapter 20, this starts with a bunch of his men coming to him and saying, Jehoshaphat, the enemy is coming. And they list off a bunch of locations, which basically says, for our frame of reference, they're in Humboldt, they're almost here. Okay? About the distance, about the same distance between here and Humboldt. Y'all realize everything in the Bible took place like in a really small area. I mean, Memphis, Nashville, that's about where we're at. They could really get everywhere in a short period of time. So when the enemy is in Humboldt coming this way, you don't have much time, right? And Jehoshaphat says, okay, but first let's go to the Lord. And they begin to pray and seek God. And we come to this first verse I want to talk about today, Second Chronicles 20, 12. And Jehoshaphat says, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now, how many of you know that it's probably not what all the men in his battalion wanted to hear him say? We cannot have the power to defeat the army, and we do not know what to do. That is not the most encouraging thing to hear from the guy who's about to lead you into battle. But he says, but our eyes are on you. So listen, we're going to compare this today. How many of you know that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and heavenly places? And so even though we can have hard time and there can be conflict between us and other people, that that conflict is still not about that other person. It is about things happening in the heavenlies. It's the enemy sowing divisiveness, seeking to destroy relationships, seeking to isolate us and separate us. We are waging a war in the heavenlies. And so we can look at how they faced a physical army and learn what we can do as we face these battles in the heavenlies. So the very first thing they do is they look up. When we are overwhelmed, the first thing that we can do is lift our eyes up. Lift our eyes up. It's the pray first principle. Now, how many of you have been praying a lot here lately? Right, because, like, uh, what else to do? Right? So I know that we've been doing that. I know that we've been praying. we got to keep doing that. We can't stop praying. We can't get lazy in that. We can't grow weary in well-doing. We have to keep praying. But we have to remember how big God is. We have to remember what God has promised. And we have to remember that God has never failed us. People have. People will fail you. They will fail you. They can't help it. They will disappoint you. God will never fail you. He, will ne- he never has and he never will. And so we have got to look up to the heavens where our help comes from and begin to focus on God and who he is and the fact that he has never failed us and begin to pray and ask him. I know that seems so simple. But i got to take a cue from a man in the Bible that everybody wanted to go to battle with. 
because they knew that he would have victory. So I'm going to take my lessons and my cues from someone who had continuous victory in battle. What was his method and how did it work? And he started by looking to the heavens, looking to God, keeping his eyes on him, and he be focused. The next thing that they did is to begin to get to a place where we exchange our thoughts for God's thoughts. Exchange our thoughts for God's thoughts. We've heard that phrase before, right? Put yourself in someone else's shoes, right? What would you think if you were in that position? How hard would that be? Put yourself in their shoes. We have got to begin to put our mind into Christ's mind and begin to think like he thinks. We've got to begin to exchange our thoughts for his thoughts. His thoughts are higher than ours. He knows the beginning from the end. He is not troubled. He is steadfast. And so we have got to begin to change our thoughts for his thoughts. We have got to begin to look at the people who frustrate us and realize that they bear as much of the image of Jesus Christ as I do. And we have got to know that there is no new battle under the sun. I will choose to put my mind into the mind of Christ and begin to think like he does. I will begin to claim the victory over my life. I will begin to walk in hope and promise. I will begin to speak love over people who are not lovely. I will begin to be hope-filled and promise-filled and not death-filled and anger-filled. I will change out my thoughts like a summer wardrobe to a fall wardrobe. I will shift out the old and bring in the new. I will change my mind around. So that I can begin to think like God. The next thing that you have to do is to surrender control. Who in here likes to be in control? It's okay. You can raise your hand. My hand is raised. I understand that. I told somebody this story before. I, when I'm with a group of people and they're trying to like decide what to do. And they're like, well, what do you guys want to do? I don't know. What do you guys want to do? I'm like, this is awesome because I'm going to get to do what I want to do because I'm going to make the choice. I think we should go here. Oh, okay, whatever y'all want to do. <laughs> it's amazing. Who are the decision makers in here? I know Gary's a decision. Who's a decision maker? Like people are like, I don't know, red, blue, red, uh, red, move on. Let's go. Next thing, right? We just want to go. In control. I'm good with it. I'm ready to go. Let me tell you, there's nothing harder than surrendering control over things we feel like we've been in control of. Some of you parents are going to send your kids off to college. I can't imagine. I mean, I kind of can because sometimes I like, I'm like, whoo, countdown to 18. And then other days I'm like, oh, my gosh, one day they will, I won't be able to tell them what to do. I'm already struggling with letting them wear what they want to wear because they can't match. So, I'm already struggling with that, surrendering that control, right? We have a hard time giving somebody else control, right? It's hard to do, but we have to do it. Listen, let me tell you, what I love about the way that God fights battles is anytime somebody came to him and said, God, we come to you, what should we do in this battle? Man, he came up with the wackiest ideas, He would, like, have thunder 
And the enemy would think that the army was bigger than it was. And they would turn on themselves. And by the time they got there, everybody would already be dead. Well, that was awesome. Okay. God was, he, he always can do amazing things. It's amazing what God can do when we just get out of the way. When we quit getting in the way, if we'll just surrender control for a minute and let him do what he is going to do. Let's look at Second Chronicles 20 and verse 22. It said, as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They, all they did was sing. And, and we hear about that, right, with the walls of Jericho came th- tumbling down. Do you know how many times in the Bible that God used worship to defeat an army? Do you know how many times that he simply used the voices of his people worshiping him to absolutely destroy the enemy? He magnified the sound of their worship to where it became overwhelming to the enemy. Let me tell you something. If you will just surrender control and realize my job is not to fix this, I just need to step back for a moment and I need to just worship God. I need to link arms with my friends. I need to love people. I just need to get out of the way and I just need to hug someone and let them cry on my shoulder. I need to encourage somebody. I need to just buy their meal and move on and not have to fix their problem. If I will just worship God with my life, he will fight the battle for me. But we have to surrender control. And that's super hard to do. Now, that is not condoning laziness. Because let me tell you, these men were prepared for battle. It wasn't like they walked in there unarmed. They were prepared for battle. They were marching in, and God took care of it for them. He does that in miraculous ways. But we have to get to a place where we can surrender our battle plan for God's. I know y'all got some to-do lists. Your five-year plan, how you going to get there? Anybody ever wrote one of those down and then found it five years later and been like, oh. (laughs) Well, that didn't exactly go as planned. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Listen, it's not a bad thing to plan. I'm a planner. I love to plan. I have multiple planners. We plan, but we have got to remember who is in control. We have got to remember that the battle belongs to me. No. The battle belongs to you. No. The battle belongs to the United States of America? No. The battle belongs to the Lord. He is in control of our past, our present, and our future because he's the only one who holds all of those things in his hand. Then we must trust God. Worship through it. Let me tell you, at the end of this battle, remember... Jehoshaphat's men came to him and said, there is a vast army coming. <laughs> they are going to overtake us. Remember, what did Jehoshaphat say at the beginning? There is, they are too great for us. We do not have the power. We do not know what to do, right? 
But when they allowed themselves to surrender control to God, when they allowed themselves to just step back and worship and praise God, he brought them through it. When they trusted the Lord, this was the outcome. In verse 30 it says, And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Now what does that mean, every side? Well, it's significant when you realize where Jehoshaphat was. He's right in the middle. And you have all around him the Moabites, the Ammonites. You have all of these different factions of people all around him who want to control him. He was surrounded by people who wanted to take him out. Surrounded on every side by enemies who oftentimes, like in this, would gang up against them and come against them. But it said, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat had rest, for they were at peace on every side. When we trust God, we can have peace on every side. Does that mean that the enemy evaporated? Does that mean that they weren't still there? No, they were there. They had plans. They st- it's not like they were like, oh, well, you know what? Our bad. We're not mad anymore. You know? Can I, can I, can I borrow some from you? you can b- no, it wasn't like they all of a sudden had a great relationship. The enemy was still the enemy, and he was still there. But that didn't matter because Jehoshaphat had peace on every side, rest on every side. The Lord granted them a time of peace. And I am praying fervently in my life, and in the life of our nation, that we can get to a place where we begin to have peace on every side. That all of those the enemy has set out plans all around us, that he has set up traps, and the enemy has come at us. How many of you feel like the enemy has come at you from all sides, right? He's come at us through the media. He's come at us through this. He's come at us through individuals, through our own personal lives and our own personal difficulties. And we are getting bombarded on every side by something. It's like, seriously, everything is coming in on us. And yet I know that if we can trust the Lord, if we can praise him no matter what, if we can give him control over our life just for a minute, if we can say, okay, before I run into this battle, before I run into that battle, if I can just stop for a minute, God, I'm coming to you first. Give me your thoughts. When I look at these people, help me to see you. When I look at this situation, help me to see you. When I'm facing this, help me to see you. God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I don't have enough money in the bank. God, I praise you that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. God, my children are crazy, but Lord, I know that your word is true, and you said that if I train up a child in the way that he should go, that he will not depart from it. I know that there is seeking to be divisiveness in the world, but I know that you have said that if we love one another, if I love my neighbor as myself, that God, we will be unified in you. So I'm going to stop for a minute. And they can keep coming because I'm going to stop. I'm changing my thoughts. I'm worshiping. I'm making a choice. I'm fighting this battle differently than I've done it before. I'm fighting it from a position of prayer and worship to God. And I'm going to trust him to handle the details.
lift our eyes, exchange our thoughts, surrender control, trust the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 that we should not neglect joining together even more as the day approaches. How many of you know that the divisiveness that is going on in this world is a sign that the day is fast approaching? Because the Bible says specifically, do not neglect gathering together even more as the day approaches. Which means that if God has given us a mandate to join together, to stick together, that if the will of God is that as his day draws near, we should be more unified, then we should not be surprised to see the enemy seeking to divide us so that he can hopefully push back the day of the Lord coming. But he cannot do that. But he will not stop trying. And so we must make a decision to draw together, to worship God, to make a decision on who rules our life. When I am overwhelmed, I know I will be. We all are. But when I am overwhelmed, I will look to the heavens. I will change my thoughts and I will surrender. Healing leads to purpose. I want to say this last little quote to you today. It's going to be it. We'll get out of here today. I laughed to some people, uh, being honest. I'm going to Florida today for vacation here this afternoon. I joked with some people and said I was going to just have my bathing suit on underneath my church clothes so that I could get in the car and get to Florida and go straight to the water. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thankful to be able to do that, thankful for a moment of rest. But I know that how many of you know that we can have a moment of rest, but if our mind... If our thoughts are not captive, we do not find peace and rest, no matter what. And so I know that we all need healing. Because when we have healing, we have purpose. When I can be whole, I can have purpose. When I am fragmented and broken, my purpose does not come together the way that it should. I can't be falling apart here and still walking forward towards what God has for me. And so I have to be connected together with purpose and healing, and I need God's battle in my life. I need him to fight for me. And I want to just leave you with this today, and we're going to pray. When God takes ground in you, you can take ground for God. I totally stole that. His name was Bubba Massey. I know, Bubba Massey from Alabama. He said that when we were at youth camp. And man, all we just it stuck in so many of our minds. When God takes ground in you, you can take ground for God. And let me tell you something. There's some ground that we need to take. Because if we don't take it, the enemy will. If we begin to loosen up our walls and our borders, the enemy will take over it. And so if we begin to fight, let me tell you something. If you're fighting over here, then that side over there can't be guarded, right? And so I cannot fight everything that's going on in my life. Because if I start focusing all of my attention on fighting and working over here, then that side is, is out of whack. It's like cleaning your house when your children are home, right? You're like in a room and you clean and you clean and you're like, look at the awesomeness of this room. Everything is clean. And then you turn around and you're like, oh my word. 
where did you find that? I thought I had thrown all of the paint away. Apparently not. Awesome. But listen, when we're busy and we think we're going to focus right here, then the enemy sneaks in over here. We cannot fight the battle on our own. We need Jesus to come in, and he fights it for us. We need him. We have got to surrender control to our God. And we have got to stop for a moment and worship. So as we close out today, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. We're going to pray. We're going to turn our eyes to heaven. That scripture that's one of my favorite that says, set aside every weight and and sin that so easily besets us. And I love it because of the word and. It doesn't just say sin. It says every weight. It's not just sin that weighs us down. It's the weight of life. It's the burdens of this world. But my residence isn't here. This is my temporary home. And I have an eternal home. And I want that house to be so full of people that I can't even walk around. I want every person that I come in contact with for their permanent home to have the same address as mine. I want to know that I have done my part to rebuild the ruins and to take captive the enemy and to set people free from bondage and to be a person who mourns. And let me tell you, you can't fight a battle and mourn with someone. You can't rebuild a wall and have to go out here and conquer the world. You have got to Remember, what is my place in this? I am not the one who is going to win the victory. The battle is the Lord's. I have got to surrender control and allow him to come in. So I'm going to worship. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to take each day as it comes. I'm going to love when I get a chance to love. I'm going to love when I've been given a really good chance to hate. I'm going to spit right in the face of the enemy. And when he gives me a good chance to hate someone, I'm going to choose to love them. And I'm going to give that moment that is sure to fill me full of worry, that diagnosis, that bad thought, that thing that comes up, that bad report that we hear. When the enemy has given me the opportunity to be discouraged, I'm spitting in his face. I don't fight with you. God, I give it to you. You're in control. I'm not fighting with you. Lord, I give it to you. You're in control. I worship you, God, with everything within me. I trust you. So this morning, God, if you got if you you got battles, am I the only one? If you got battles this morning, let's change our posture. Let's get up our fighting hands. The hands of worship. This morning, God, we come against the attack of the enemy in our lives. God, I know that the waves of life are rolling in. I know that there are waves of disappointment. There are waves of frustration. There are waves of waves of heaviness, waves of anger, waves of confusion. God, there are waves of sorrow and grief. And there are so many waves coming in. And they are overwhelming us, Lord. So this morning, we stretch our hands towards heaven. We look up to you. God, the world is too vast. We do not have the power. We do not have the plan. God, we look to you this morning. Show us. Guide us. Direct us. Let us walk in you. We surrender control. 
my hands are lifted to you, God. I will not pick up anything that you don't tell me to. I trust you. Help me to love people, to love my family, and to do those things well. And let me let you take care of the rest. I thank you, God. Thank you. The battle is the Lord's. And when I am overwhelmed, I will look to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, as we head out of here today, y'all have a blessed week. If you need anything, please call the church office and let us know what's going on in your life so we can pray. But I encourage you today, hug somebody around you. Um, we're gonna, we can leave everything where it is today, which is so nice. Hug someone around you. Tell them that you're glad to see them. Introduce yourself to somebody you don't know today. And just have a blessed Sunday.